Hello everyone, welcome to a new episode of Opera After Dark. that clip you might think that our topic for today is some bel canto composer Mm -hmm. of opera however psych we are talking about an impresario not a composer Uh. we're not going to talk about rossini and how his love of food surprisingly didn't send him to an early grave i mean we can mention that as we just did but there you go fun (laughs) fact everybody loved food loved food and Rossini does make an appearance in this story, hmm. uh, as does Donizetti and Bellini and okay. nice. other bel canto composers that you've probably never heard of, like Mercadante and a couple never others. Never heard of him. Mercadante Rosa. wrote a Figaro opera. Did he really? Yeah. Oh. You do a Figaro, two Figaros. Oh. Nice. I think. I mean, that sounds right. A lot of people wrote operas on the same operas. Yep. subjects yeah. but only a so handful of them have survived what's the name of our impresario our man of the hour is domenico barbaia 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 you can spell it either b-a-r-b-a-i-a mm-hmm. or b-a-r-b-a-j-a oh the yeah. j doesn't that... feel very italian it does not but i think that it gives you a sense of Perhaps how you might pronounce it. Hmm. I don't know. Interesting. Anywho. He's, Anywho. he's Italian. Safe he's to say. Italian. Safe to say. He is Italian. He is Italian. He was born in 1777. <laughs> and he died in 1841. And so he is known as this incredibly important impresario. And impresarios were essentially like the general managers of opera companies Mm -hmm. in the bel canto period in italy Mm -hmm. and so he will go on to hire some pretty important composers in his lifetime but he apparently was quite an interesting dude with quite the uh one could say like rough around the edges personality there is one like a a bad boy i know something about this dude okay <laughs> the bad the bad boy of bel canto impresarioing well the one yes. the My one book <laughs> the one book that's written about him which he did not write himself oh shoot um is called the bel canto bully so that's ah, his nickname the bel canto, the bel canto bully, bully. It's nice alliteration Yes. So he was born in Milan in Italy. Apparently he was born into a family of like extremely poor social class. Like they were the lowest of the low peasants. Mm-hmm. And really? Yes. And so he's definitely the kind of man who like brought himself up from nothing and became this hugely important like 
early 1800s version of a millionaire in Italy, essentially. Right. I feel um, like you have to be wealthy to be an impresario. Yes, and we'll, we'll get to that because producing opera was very expensive. Oh, so not much has changed. Right. right. So he essentially, his first, like the way he gets into uh, opera houses, generally speaking, is he starts off as like a barista in the lobby of <laughs> Teatro San Carlo. Okay. Nice. <laughs> so. Like started how, from the bottom. Didn't, wasn't Jill Volpe... A carpenter at the Met. Right. Yeah. Right. So, so it's sort of like that. Sort of like that. Right. Where he was like one of the working men. Right. And one of the peons, a cog in the wheel. So was he, did he have an interest in, in music or that was just the big business of the time? No. Tech? He had oh. no interest in music. Cool. But he had experience as a barista. Okay. Working in coffee shops. <laughs> so, so he okay. starts working in the 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 coffee cafe service of the Teatro San Carlo, and he makes his first uh, fortune by basically inventing a drink that is mixing coffee and chocolate together. Wait, no one had thought of that until now? Apparently not. And also, apparently, he was one of the first for frothing milk. Well, shit. So, like, as we drink Genius. our lattes here. Yes, Naomi has made us lattes, and she frothed the hell out of this milk. So I guess we have uh, Domenica to thank for that. That's right. Thank and you, so, sir. Thank you, sir. People called it the Barbayada. Okay. And But apparently this is, like, he essentially invented an early version of the cappuccino, or they think he was the first person to invent the cappuccino. Huh. Um, <laughs> Right? Okay. That's so he, crazy. he invents the cappuccino and he That'll also invents, he yeah. invents like a cafe mocha, right? Because that's yeah. chocolate and like hot chocolate and coffee. Isn't that a cafe mocha? Yeah. yeah. There's, well, there's like, like mocha. Milk, in there. milk, milk yeah. in it, right. And so he gains this reputation as like this amazing coffee drink inventor. Is this, uh, so is he inventing shit. these drinks for the, the, bar at the theater or does yes. he like does he go into business for himself well i think that coffee he, drinks he either patents it or does something where he's able to like make a lot of money off of the invention like, of this how drink old, how old is he um is that a trick question i'm sorry i'm not i'm not sure how old he was when he in, did all of this inventing but he was probably at least a teenager yeah like to be working on his own in a barista fashion mm-hmm. um so Yes, and it became so popular in Milan, this drink, especially the one mixed with chocolate, um, that all of the coffee houses in the city wanted to like feature his concoction, and so he capitalized on the mm-hmm. popularity of it and made his first fortune by doing this. Right. So this Brilliant. is how this is how he first starts getting some money. That is very smart. Right. Then um, he uses some of that money to start buying and selling uh, ammunition during the Napoleonic Wars. So, wow. mm-hmm. a war profiteer. Yes, a yeah. war profiteer. <laughs> some um, slightly dirtier money. Right. But then what happens is that he essentially makes his most stable fortune by around this time as well. Um, operas being very expensive to produce. One of the main means of income for opera houses was to have gambling in like the lobbies of the Mm. opera house right and so he starts essentially running one of the gambling establishments at the teatro san carlo and at some of the other theaters and he just proves himself to be very very good at managing the casinos 
in these opera houses. And so if you recall us talking about Isabella Colbron, mm-hmm. right, on a previous episode who was Rossini's wife, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. Yes. She ended up having this gambling addiction, which we believe was partially because of the relationship formed between Rossini and Domenico Barbaia, because Barbaia eventually has contracts with Rossini where he gets like a cut of the gambling profits in order to produce operas at his theater. Nice. So, well, weren't Domenica and Colbron yeah. sleeping with each other? Yeah, they had a Rossini thing. Came along. They had a thing. Mm. Yeah. Yes. Yeah, so, so, and eventually she like leaves Domenico and goes with to him. Yes, yeah. we talked about that in in that episode. Right. So, she went so, for yes. the the rich artist instead of the rich impresario yes <laughs> i guess so i mean he I was suppose. he was reportedly like not a good guy like his personality was not one that people gravitated towards but he was a really shrewd businessman <laughs> and like just really good mm-hmm. at that kind of thing and so i think that's what really got him his fortune but even before he became like the manager of the casino he worked as a card dealer in the in the casino, so or in the opera house gambling Slide sections. So he's had like every job in the opera house, basically. And I, apparently, he wasn't really interested in taking over as the impresario of the whole company. Uh-huh. But he just like the opportunity presented him, itself, and he was really good. It seemed at managing people and like getting what he wanted out of people. And so he eventually takes over the helm of the Teatro San Carlo, and then while simultaneously holding that job which he held for several decades he like had other kind of side gigs in vienna and some other places where he would like help them in empresario like roles so what does that mean exactly well essentially like helping them in the administrative side of getting composers and singers and contracts and like the business end of running the opera like a consultant yeah kind of like a consultant okay so he would kind of farm himself out in that way and made a lot of money doing that. Um, and apparently, so he was like a manager or consulting partner in the Theater am Kertner Tour in Vienna and the Theater an der Wien, which mm-hmm. is Schikaneder's theater. Or, mm-hmm. well, Schikaneder was probably not around by this point. Schikaneder. But, you know, the magic flute and all that. Mm. So... Uh, so in addition to being a very good businessman, being able to like keep these opera companies afloat through you know very difficult financial um, maneuverings, he also proves himself very good at getting composers that are kind of the most popular composers of the day contracted to the Teatro San Carlo in Naples to produce operas that would go on to be like staples of the bel canto repertoire. Mm-hmm. So he was the one who secured a contract with Rossini that lasted seven seasons and wow. produced 10 operas. And those operas included Otello, which was until Verdi's Otello, it was like the most popular operatic setting of Otello. Um, Armida, um, La Donna del Lago, Meometto II, and a couple other ones. Um, but La Donna del Lago and Otello were the two like big, big ones mm-hmm. produced under Rossini. Uh, nice. He also gets contracts with Donizetti and Bellini and a few other composers. So, But before we talk about those operas, we should listen to a little bit of 
Rossini. So you can hear yeah. some of the things that exist now because of Domenico Barbaia's contract maneuverings. Why don't we listen to the Willow song from Rossini's Otello? I didn't even know there was a Willow song in Rossini's Otello. Or maybe it's the Ave Maria. No, I think there is a, a Willow song in that right. one. Let's listen to that because the reason people don't do that opera is because it's a soprano and like five fucking tenors and that's the whole thing. <laughs> and they're all like singing really high and really fast and where are you going to get five people that can do that? <laughs> right. right. So basically everything that everybody wants but yeah, yeah, yeah. can't have. Just like squelting high seas. Let's listen to that. Okay. Speaking of tenors and high seas, that mm-hmm. was I think that was my favorite part of La Donna del Lago was when I am foggy on my remembrance of it, but there certainly is a part where there are two tenors that are basically exchanging high seas. Yep. Like back and forth. Mm-hmm. We should just just because we can, we should listen to a little bit of that as well.
should mention the tenor singing because apparently Barbaya was also known for being incredibly good at contracting and like discovering singers at the time and he is credited with discovering some of the greatest tenors of that time which is probably why there's so many tenors in some of these operas he would have to he would have to be in order to have enough tenors to fill the cast right and apparently what was part of his strength was that he was very good at recognizing talent in singers that were perhaps not like the biggest names of the time Mm -hmm. but were solid dependable singers so he would contract them for a season and you would always have really great solid casts Mm -hmm. and so the operas would do really well even if they weren't like the stars of the time like the top top tier singers and so he could create kind of like financially responsible Mm -hmm. contracts Ah, with all of these singers right and so that helped him actually get um some of the some of the big name singers discovered that would go on to become big singers and big tenors apparently he discovered isabella colbrand too and that's how they became lovers (gasps) and then she left him for rossini yes all right and then um from there he actually was known he had like this little hiatus period where the essentially the board of the Teatro San Carlo was like kicked him out for a time or forced sabbatical something like that because Mm -hmm. of his terrible business practices he was known for like fleecing his employees regularly Um, he was an all-around like terrible person to deal with Uh, they needed a morale boost (laughs) right kicked him out (laughs) Salvadore Camarino who's a librettist who did a ton of work with bel canto composers and with Verdi he applied for a job at the Teatro San Carlo as like an in-house librettist and Barbaya refused to read anything that he had written but he was like I don't need a librettist right now I need a stage manager and a producer so I'll give you that job and so Salvadore Camarino took that job and then during, and he kept trying to like get his libretti in front of Barbaya, and mm-hmm. Barbaya would just like perpetually refuse <laughs> to look at them. And then during that no, forced sabbatical, right. he, Salvadore Camarino shows someone else his libretti for Lucia di Lammermoor. And it gets produced, and it's like this massive hit. And so oh, then, wow. shit, dude. Right. By the time Barbaya comes back, um, by that point, Lucia had become this huge success with Camarino and Donizetti. And so, mm-hmm. He had no choice but to let Camarino continue as a like in-house librettist in addition to his stage managing and producing duties. But apparently he is but before that even happened, he was credited with getting Donizetti a contract. And then Barbaya claimed that he discovered Bellini when Bellini was still like in the Naples Conservatory studying as a, a young composer and so mm. he claims that uh it was because of him that they had we have any operas by bellini so what there as um, well bellini operas did he produce bellini operas give me a moment well did he produce norma he did il parata oh il parata <laughs> yeah <laughs> or that was the big one um that became really popular uh but then with Donizetti he was responsible for getting the Tudor operas going so Roberto Devereux was because of him so we should listen to something from Roberto Devereux Donizetti sure I don't really know that opera but I'm gonna go with whatever the mezzo does oh she has some good 
What's uh, her name? Sarah? Sarah? Yeah, probably. I don't know. <laughs> we'll pick Only a saw it the clip. one time. Pick a mezzo clip. I'm not terribly familiar with that opera either, but it's a good mezzo role, so... I don't really know that opera at all. Here's a little bit of Roberto Devereux, which also exists because of Barbaya. What is the most famous thing that he, like, helped produce? Well. That he released into the world of Bel Canto. I think his contracts with Rossini are probably. The big things. The big things. Let me look at the list. There is this, um, so there's this recording that was created as a compendium to the book, The Bel Canto Bully, that features a bunch of the recordings or oh. recordings from operas that Barbaya was directly involved in getting created. So uh, with Rossini, we have La Gazzetta, which I don't know that one that well, but that was mm -hmm. one of his operas. Uh, Otello, which I mentioned, Donna del Lago, Neometto. Oh yeah, the Carl Maria von Weber opera, uh, which I cannot pronounce. <laughs> yeah, everybody knows that. Euranthe? <laughs> Euranthe? Yeah. Hmm. You want to take a stab at it, Carl? Uh, Euranthe? <laughs> <laughs> Nailed it. Right. Um, Il Parata by Bellini. And then apparently uh, this Salvador Mercadante opera that was extremely popular, Elena de Feltre. 
and we don't which is the name of the opera we don't hear this opera at all anymore but there was portions of it that were incredibly popular at the time especially one of the arias ah si del tenero amor mio so he basically is taking credit for everything like he does this bellini (laughs) no he does this bellini stuff and then bellini goes on to do like norma and everything like that and and uh domenico is like oh well i'm the reason that you have that i discovered him i discovered him how did he die he died um i don't know how he died but But he did he did die (laughs) and was basically forgotten yeah, like wow. as soon as he died, like he just so he kind just of like went into he d- oblivion. He did his whole impresario thing for the rest of his his life, and then he died, and then people moved on. And it really isn't until recently that people have kind of looked back to really take an interest in who are the non-composing figures of the opera industry in this time period that right. actually contributed to making the art form what it is today or creating these legacies and so there's been this interest in him recently but for a long time he just because he wasn't a composer himself he wasn't a star singer himself Mm -hmm. he died and like it just turned over to a new impresario to continue running all of these theaters so the important people that get forgotten yeah apparently the teatro san carlo like burned to the ground during his tenure and he single-handedly like raised the funds to rebuild it how did it burn down by fire no I'm not. <laughs> <laughs> really with fire like how'd the fire start i don't know, I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> with fire you crazy <laughs> yes probably one of his fancy coffee machines that just well, burst into flames apparently his automatic right boxes. apparently another side gig of his another like side fortune was he had a construction and contracting business in naples so i'm sure that he like made a fortune off he of getting like his a own, gangster right getting his own company to do the building yeah well, for the he, rebuild. Is, he is the bel canto bully that's true he works right. in construction he works sounds like a construction character on the sopranos right right <laughs> but he is impresario dominico barbaio barbaio right? yeah Oh, Barbaya. Barbaya. <laughs> Thanks, Kyle. For yes. Barbaya. Inventor of the cappuccino, the cafe mocha, and... And Bellini. And Bellini. <laughs> <laughs> and now you know. And now you know. I think he only did one opera with Bellini, though, which is, like, Bellini wrote more than one opera. But he but discovered Bellini. He discovered him, right. Right. Well... So. Because of that, we'll have to listen to a little bit of Bellini coming out. Il Parata. <laughs> Il Parata. <laughs> the sure. pirate. Cool. Right. And as as you listen to this, make sure you go into iTunes or wherever you're listening to this podcast. Leave us a review with five stars. Please. Or if you're in some weird podcasting app that allows for 10 stars do that Ooh, nice that was maximum nice. stars maximum yeah. storage right and then make sure you come back next week and listen to some more opera after dark yeah we'll we'll see you guys then i'm elspeth i'm naomi i'm kyle thanks for listening to opera after dark bye